Hi, I'm Patty. I'm Kim Michelle. And I'm Jill. Welcome to our podcast. It's a great day to talk. Because honestly, what day isn't a great day to talk? So join us in our conversation. A Great Day to Talk is brought to you by St. George Design. Offering complete website design, social media management, search engine optimization, Google and Facebook ad management, and many other digital and print marketing services. StGeorgeDesign.com And by Richardson Brothers Custom Homes, third-generation builders who have been building custom homes in southern Utah for over 25 years. They will take your dream home from concept to completion. Contact RichardsonBrothers.com the April Gates Group and Zion Canyon Real Estate have been specializing in helping Southern Utah clients buy and sell property for over 18 years. We can help you too. Call or text April today, 435-632-8869, 435-632-8869. Well, good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, so it is a great day to talk. Yes, so, it is. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kim Michelle. This is my wonderful and dear friend, Patty. And um, we are going to acknowledge that our other very dear friend, Jill, is taking some personal time, and we totally honor that and wish you that you're well. We miss you, and we know that you are exactly in the space you're meant to be. So welcome to our 43rd podcast. Yes, and I uh, want to say that Jill has done quite some extensive research on the brain uh, over the last couple months. And so when we have her back, we're going to be able to do a segment on um, how a stroke affects the brain and yeah. what she has been. She's going to dissect my brain yes, live on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing. I, I hope when she opens it up, there's something there. I hope there's something there. I just I got new Cutco knives. And so, <laughs> so we so we're going to go. We're we good to ready. go. But tonight we are so excited. So excited, yeah. Because we have uh, a fabulous guest. And if you saw the post earlier today, I had a link to a news article and video of our guest tonight named Marie Hodigan. She is the principal at Piper High School in Sunrise, Florida. The school serves students in grades 9 through 12, many of whom are first generation students of color whose families confront significant socioeconomic obstacles. Under Ms. Hodigan's leadership, the school has experienced an impressive turnaround featuring college-level coursework opportunities through a program administered by the University of Cambridge in England, a $20 million campus renovation, and the establishment of a dynamic group of educators focused on helping each student reach his or her potential. During Ms. Hodigan's tenure, enrollment has increased, graduation rates have soared, and student scholarships have have skyrocketed. I told her I was just going to um, introduce her as my badass friend. <laughs> and then I talked to our mutual friend and our mutual friend, Stephanie said, you mean your badass friends, badass friend. <laughs> and I said, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, welcome Miss uh, Principal Marie Hodigan. We are so grateful that you are here to join us tonight. Thank yes, you. Yes. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And one of the things that I just want to make sure that everybody is clear around is, you know, being a principal, friend, buddy, uh, comrade, 
compatriot, uh, co-worker, all of those combination of terms, whether you're in the education system or whether you're working your own business or whatever, uh, working and being with people, the same issues that come up will come up across the board. Absolutely. So if you are not in education and you're thinking, oh, this, I don't, I, this, oh, I guess this isn't the podcast for me. I guess number 43 isn't, isn't time for me. Then I'm going to suggest that there is some, if you're listening to this, Mm -hmm. there is something very powerful you're meant to get from here. So take the conversation and apply it to wherever you are in your life, whatever your life experience is and go from there. Absolutely. And, um, we, uh, the principles that Marie has used to be successful at her high school can be used anywhere. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. yeah so yeah. let's, uh, tell us a little bit about how you made it to the high school that you're currently at in sunrise. Is that correct? Sunrise, Florida, sunrise, Florida. So, mm-hmm. um, this is, I have kind of an interesting journey in education. It's actually a second career for me. So I started out when I graduated from college as a young copywriter in the advertising business. And it was a great experience. I loved the advertising business, really, really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, after about 12, 13 years, I had children. I stayed home for a little while with my student, my, my kids. And when they had to return to school, I decided that I was going to return to school with them and I became an English teacher because I I was a writer by trade. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I had wanted to do when I was in college, but you know, I I went different routes. My family kind of uh, motivated me to try different routes. And I will tell you that people find what they're meant to do. Yeah, I, I love the classroom from the moment I walked in So I went to um, a, I was in a magnet high school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I started out as an English teacher there. We served, you know, a a diverse group of students um, from high, high performing students to students who are fragile, um, many of them first generation. And we did great work at all levels. I was an English teacher, loved it. I became the magnet coordinator for the Cambridge program, which is a very rigorous program that allows students to uh, actually complete college level work while they're in high high school. And um, I became the magnet coordinator for them. And then I went back to school, um, got my degree in educational leadership and became an assistant principal there. When I left, I was second in command underneath the principal. And I was transferred to Piper High School um, with the idea that I was going to assist primarily in curriculum and instruction um, and to also uh, assist with some operational areas uh, that the school was struggling with. I loved it. You know, it was a school that had great need at the time. Um, after a short period, I became what is called the principal intern. So while I wasn't the acting principal, I was, well, I wasn't the principal of record. I was actually the acting principal Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And after a year, I was appointed as the principal of record. I will tell you, one of the greatest, greatest, you know, 
advantages and joys of my high school is how my community has supported me. Mm. Um, I have truly, you know, a, a, a very interesting, diverse community. Many of my students and families are uh, Caribbean families. Um, many of my students are first generation, you know, and many of them have obstacles. I have beautiful, beautiful parents, some of whom work, you know, two and three jobs because they need, they do whatever they need for their, their children. But that, that in itself, you know, is causes obstacles that the whole family, you know, has to face. Uh, many of my students come and I have incredibly bright, successful children that are going on to Ivy League schools, but I also have um, many, many students that are fragile. They need extra support, but our community has come together, teachers, staff, administration, and the families. We partner with our parents and we've done some beautiful work. Mm, wow. That's, I mean, if you don't have the community support um, to a school, like I don't know that the success of the school would work, right? If you yeah. don't have parent support and the community rallying around different um, activities that they'll come and they'll pay and they'll support, you can't, you can't. Um, yeah, I think that's he, programs. Running. Yeah, I think that's really difficult. Mm -hmm. So, and I diverse community like yours, what do you feel like um, has been the greatest tools and attributes that you've brought from yourself in order to create that atmosphere of cooperation between all of the players that you have involved there at the high school? That's a very good question. <laughs> so, um, okay, so one of the reasons that the parents, I believe, and the family support me is because they truly believe that I have the best interest of their students at heart. Mm. Not only, you know, do I want to bring every opportunity from an education perspective and a life perspective to my students. I mean, I care for them. I always mm -hmm. tell my parents, I was a parent first. I have two uh, sons. They are grown men. So now I have 2,200 beautiful children that I get to take care of on a daily basis. Um, what I did when I came to the school, you know, the first focus was on instruction because that's what we are. We are an academic institution. We offer many other opportunities, but first and foremost, we're an academic institution. So I have had extensive experience with the University of Cambridge's Cambridge program. I brought that right to the school. And I will tell you that it is a very high level program. We have students that, you know, as ninth graders, freshmen are taking three college level courses while they're in high school. And students who earn what is called the Cambridge ACE diploma receive the highest level of bright future scholarship in the state of Florida. Wow. Which is, you know, full tuition books, a stipend to any of the four-year state universities, which include University of Florida, a top 15 or a higher public university, uni uh, Florida State, a top 25. So we are talking about, you know, truly leading um, higher education opportunities. I just want to mention that this is the third year that I've had the program at the school because this is my third year as principal of record. Last year in our second year, 
we had 50 students complete that program and receive that scholarship. I want you to know that those 50s completed it in two years, even though it's a three-year program. Wow. That's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Cambridge program like sets the structure for us because our belief is we push to rigor. Every classroom from our highest high-powered academic achievers to our students who are fragile. They have learning gaps. You know, they, they may have been in multiple schools. They may have missed long periods of school. We push to rigor because one of the things we refuse as a community to fall trapped to is what we call the soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes, let's spend mm-hmm. some time Very there. Very high, <laughs> high expectations for our students. And while some of them may not reach that pinnacle and reach the complete, they will reach higher than if the expectations were low. And we see it all the time. And I will tell you, you know, I have a community of students. When I came there, you know, there were some operational issues. There were, you know, there were some problems with structure. We have put all that into place and I have beautiful children. I have fun students. They want to learn. They want opportunities. They want to go to college. They want careers, internships. They want the best for their life. And and I truly believe that they're going to step up and they're going to make they're going to make a better life for the children that they have in the future. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, I have a couple questions. One is with the Cambridge program, do any of your teachers qualify to teach the Cambridge way? We, you know, it's great. I will tell you that, you know, Cambridge has afforded, you know, through the state and through our success rate at Cambridge, um, it has brought resources and funding to the school, which has been extensive. We have sent all the teachers who teach Cambridge to Cambridge trainings. They're Mm. in the States, but they are conducted by uh, the uh, Cambridge organization itself. Um, Plus, I had when I came to that school, my principal, who I had worked closely with, said, go to the school and find the talent. Those teachers are there. And I'm like, oh, no, the the teachers we have at this school are so incredible. I went to Piper and I found incredible talent. I found teachers who came, you know, early in the morning. They stayed well into the evening. You know, they worked with some students that were, you know, difficult because the kids were having trouble finding relevance in the classroom. They were there long days. They loved those children. They provided excellent rigor, excellent instruction. And, you know, they did whatever needed to be done, some oftentimes using their own resources to help those students. So, you know, we've really achieved a lot with that program, and it's really set the structure for the whole school. You know, our goal now is my highest students, they come in, they start in ninth grade. The idea is it's a three-year program. You're going to try to get that Cambridge diploma and that scholarship. Some students start in 10th grade. You're going to try to get that Cambridge diploma and that scholarship. But other students, including some of my most fragile students, by 11th or 12th grade, our goal is that they're going to take at least one Cambridge college-level course before they leave us. And even if they don't pass the the corresponding exam, they will be so better suited in the future when they face that 
type of rigor again, mm-hmm. either at a community college, a four-year university, or if they go into a career where they have to get a certification and sit for ex- extensive exams at that point. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a benefit to everybody. Right. I, I teach advanced placement psychology and I tell my students all the time, just the fact that you're in this class and you're expected to perform um, to the rigor uh, is going to put you in a leg up in college because you're used to the rigor. Whether you pass the AP exam and get the college credit right. now isn't as important as it is that you're here work, doing the work and preparing yourself to to do, you know, succeed in college. And I think that's true. But I, my question too is how, so in non AP classes, um, how the, the rigor for all students, general ed students, maybe not in Cambridge program, um, the rigor plus accountability, we, I think I face in my school and, and Kim Michelle probably would agree that she does it her high school as well, but that we have to just continue to keep getting kids opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And do you know, one of the opportunities for these students is that they fail and we, we have to provide so much evidence that we did everything we could and then, and then still give them more opportunity after the quarter's ended. So how do you provide rigor and accountability? Well, the state, you know, has mandated assessments and those assessments are tied to graduation requirements. And that is the, you know, the school, uh, the school is, you know, truly assessed as a whole community based on how the students perform on those assessments. You know, my high level students, my honor students, there are no issues. Many of my core students do fine. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that there are many young adults that come to us in ninth grade. They have significant gaps in their learning. And it is it is a struggle, a community struggle to, you know, come up with high impact strategies and curriculum mm-hmm. that will help move those children, not just a year's worth of learning, right. we're talking making up gaps. So you're talking about trying to move them 18 and 24 months in a year. And that's very hard. You know, an, a, a master teacher who really has a structured classroom will move a, a, a student, you know, a full year worth of growth in a year. You know, the teachers now are asked to move students 18 and 24 months. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that those students that we're trying to move are at a disadvantage for so many reasons. They have socioeconomic struggles. They have gaps in their learning. Many of them have language barriers. You know, others have social, emotional, you know, issues that are significant at a worldwide pandemic that put them in isolation for at least 18 months and you have children that have come back and they are they're struggling with just trying to be socialized in you know your your traditional high school environment right and i was going to say in utah we've done in southern utah we did pretty well we were out for that quarter and we were able to come back um in august of 2020 and teach just masked up and with you know extra cleaning um 
but I know schools in so many other areas were out for that whole year and a half. And that just, just that right there is a gap, you know, the learning gap, but they, you, you don't learn like you do on, in online school is not the answer. Mm -hmm. And I don't even, I don't even know that even though you had those students in the classroom, that um, it didn't mean that they weren't dealing with very real uh, issues, whether a parent is homesick or mm -hmm. whether, you know, um, their family's not working because of COVID or they may physically be present in your classroom, but there's so many things going on for that student. I think it becomes, I think, those students who were even blessed enough to be able to stay in the classroom and not be in an online setting to assume that they there's not a price that that was paid right. for them during that period of time i think that would be naive you know i'm gonna say that i i completely agree with you one of the you know major issues that we saw some of my kids were the only ones working in the mm -hmm. household yeah i have one teacher who told me she is trying to do uh, a, some type of assessment remotely with a student, and she hears something in the back background, and the poor child is taking an order at a restaurant because she was working as a waitress at the time, and she's got her phone trying to go to school at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. Those stories, you know, just are all over, not only at my school, not only in Florida, but across this country. Yeah. With the struggles that the pandemic caused. And, you know, it fell on the children, you know, and, and they had to bear the brunt of, of many of their family struggles, which was so difficult, you know, for the family and so, so difficult for the students. Yeah. So how do we acknowledge that and still work to create a space of, um, expectation because they're more than capable and loving them through that process because for me it feels like when push comes to shove it really is going to be past them okay so i go back to expectations you never lower them now we might have to remediate we all are remediating right? and sure. we know that right but we're not going to lower the expectations we're also going to build those relationships with kids because they've come back. They've been isolated. Many of them, you know, don't feel a connection to the classroom. Some of many of them don't have a connection to their school anymore. They need to see relevance. They need to feel community. You know, I have added this year so many, many, you know, events and activities that just connect kids and let them have fun. You should hear me on my announcements every day. I mean, I know they're rolling their eyes and they're thinking, wow, she is a nutcase because, you know, I have this crazy greeting that I use every day. I'm animated. I, you know, on Fridays, I'm like always, hooray, it's Friday. Oh, I only get to say it one more, once a week. So let me say it again. Hooray, <laughs> it's Friday. And I'll walk down the, the corridors and the kids will be like, Miss Hodigan, hooray, it's Friday. That's all connection. Sure, That's right. connection to your principal. Then I have my teachers who are 
outstanding in trying to really, you know, let students know I'm here for you. We're a community. We're a team. We're all vested in your success. And then we have pep rallies during A and B lunches. I have this wonderful uh, gentleman named DJ Nasty. He's on uh, 99 Jams in South Florida. And he comes and he came to my school and pretended to be principal for the day one time. And he's come back and we've held pep rallies and the kids love it and it's fun. And then what they, they are bangles. They are Piper bangles. They have a community and they really when they're vested like that, they want to be successful and they don't want to disappoint the adults that believe in them. Right. And, and, and they know that we care. Mm-hmm. Kids need to know that you care. You know, they say, you know, I command respect. It's hard to command respect. Yeah. You must provide respect. You must provide love and the respect will come. And it's not always easy because kids have walls. You have to break down those walls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's one of the my favorite parts about teaching is to find those areas where you can connect with these kids. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think that's why we all went in it. I mean, I can talk yeah. all day about psychology, but that doesn't give me the the feel goods that it does when I can see a kid connect. Yeah with me. Absolutely. And I love that you have created a space where these kids are buying in. That's amazing. And if they, they really are. you know, I get on the announcements too. And every time one of the seniors is uh, accepted to uh, college or university or signs with the military, I read their name. I talk about the school. I congratulate them. And then I invite them to a luncheon. And I have the luncheons maybe once every three or four weeks. And I give them this extended two-hour luncheon. And we, we, you know, have some great food. We sit around. I let them tell me how the, you know, how they can how to change the school to make it better, which they all love to tell me what to do. And <laughs> the best part though, is when I make those announcements on the intercom, I'm speaking to the ninth and 10th and 11th graders as much as I'm speaking to the seniors. Sure. And I tell them, listen, guys, these seniors didn't do this yesterday. This has been the plan for three, four years. You should be thinking about the same things. I need to be reading your you know, names and celebrating you in a year or two or three years. And I'll tell you, they really love it. They really, really oh, love bet. it. And yeah. you know, I get one or two seniors or you know, five or six, and that's the first luncheon. And after they hear about it, the letters are flying in. My email is packed. My uh, my assistant has them. Everybody is bringing them to me because it, they become. You want to create that culture that it's cool to be smart. Yeah, right. that's the culture you really want to create, and and then you get students who are like, "Can I take an ACE class? Can I take an AP class?" And you're like, "Listen." Right now, we got to work on some other skills, but once we, you know, really master those skills, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. We're going to work with you, and, and then you get the buy-in of the student. And once you have that, and you have the right teacher in place, you can really—that's when the magic happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, just so I'm clear, every uh, ex. Every senior who has received a letter of acceptance from a college or university, you acknowledge them on an announcement. 
on the intercom in the morning and wow. I'll read all the acceptances. And then I do, I have these three, every three or four weeks, I have these luncheons. That's and amazing. I will tell you too, I, I'm going to brag about my school a little bit. So, you know, I had seven students and, and, and I was, when I came to the school, you know, we were not considered one of the, you know, high, fast paced academic programs. We've changed that significantly. My Cambridge program has grown to be one of the largest in Broward County. And Broward is one of the largest, largest. Cambridge districts in the country. Hmm. And I had an 80% pass rate last year on my Cambridge exams. So not only are we placing students and pushing them to rigor, they are performing and they are succeeding. Um, but one of the things that I, I really love is that, you know, we really are celebrating kids and that success and that celebration is contagious. Mm -hmm. They all want to be a part of it. And, you know, it's something that the community has bought into, the kids have bought into, the faculty has, and, and I cannot say enough about the hard work of teachers every day. Every day I say, when that door closes, that's when the magic begins. And everything that the staff does, the administration does, the, the custodial clerical support should be to support what goes on in that classroom because that's the end all and be all. And, and, and I will tell you that I'm fortunate as a principal to have just, you know, I tell them they're equity changers and opportunity makers. Mm -hmm. That's what my teachers are. I love that. I do too. Equity changers. Yeah. And that's opportunity uh, makers. Mm -hmm. Um, with, uh, I know how much time you spend at the school and the amount of time you're, you're taking personally to do those announcements and then sit down with the kids and have lunch. I feel like our administration is are busy. We're my principal is busy. How I'm do sure you, you are too. I know so you are. How, how, how do you make everything that is required of you? And so anyone out there who's listening that is again saying, well, I'm not in education. I'm not a principal. I'm not a teacher. You're faced with the same thing. When, if you're a manager of a team, if you are an owner of a company, you are busy with all of the things that are required to keep your business functioning or the doors open. So you you can't, this relates to you as much as anybody else. How do you find the way to be able to do that? Uh, everything that you see that your students need um, as the principal or if you're a teacher, uh, how do you figure out how to do that and still have some work-life balance? Okay, so, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a 24-7 job. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as we started this, my phone went off, and I'm texting people, not now, not now. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that's okay, because for me, I can say personally, it's a job, it's a career and a, and a, 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 a pathway that gives me a great sense of purpose, and I love it. Um, you have to be a very good time manager. Um, some periods, like with any, you know, commitment to career, some periods are tougher than others. You know, the start of the school year can be very tough. Did we just lose sound? 
I'm here. Oh. Okay, great. Oh, we, we can, can hear, hear you. you. Yeah. Oh, can you hear me? I yep. can't yes. see anybody. You can see me, right? Yep. Yes, yes, we can we see can. you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, the uh, the uh, what I do typically is, you know, I start in the morning. I check my email. I check my calendar. I usually check my calendar the night before because there are people who put things on my calendar other than me. My assistant does. Um, district people can. So, you know, things are popping up all the time. Um, I try to keep an open door policy as much as I can when I'm there. So a lot of times I will spend my day with kids, with teachers, with parents, and you know, your emails will pile up. So, you know, whenever I get a break, I try to go through those emails. I can get a couple hundred a day and more sometimes. Um, and some of them are important and you've got to be able to find those key ones and target them and put the others to the side so you can get them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to work weekends whenever I, you know, and I do because I'd rather be in control during the week than, uh, you know, have just crazy days all week where I'm trying to catch up. I, I need to have a structure and feel like I'm in control of the situation. And I will tell you, I make my, my time. I have, you know, I have more time than many people because my children are grown. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I'm home. I, I, I have I'm independent. I have time to myself, but I do make time for myself. I run. I, I work out. Uh, I love yoga. I, I really try to do something for myself every single day. Um, I'm not great at sleep, but I try <laughs> to get good sleep. But, you know, right. I, I, that goes that kind of goes up and down. Um, but it's, you know, every day is a challenge. And one of the things that really keeps me going is I love it and I have right. fun with it. You know, we've talked at the homecoming game this year. I, you know, I danced with my auxiliary dance team. Yeah. And they taught me the dance and I wore this outfit that I still Try not to let anybody see. But I <laughs> which is posted. It'll which, be posted on our website. Uh, Five hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a million or so views, views of, of you it. in that yeah. outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I did. I mean, you know, the kids put me on Instagram. I had over three hundred thousand views. Right. I had a couple hundred thousand on, um, uh, you know, other social media apps. I mean, I, I really, really, it was fun, and you know, that makes it that not only builds my connection with my kids and that's why I did it, but it makes the job fun. It makes it part of my life. And it's something that, you know, one day when I do retire, I'm going to miss, miss significantly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I, I once ran into another principal and she told me she retired and she was actually teaching a workshop that I was at. And I said, oh, I thought you retired. And she goes, well, I did. And then I just like fell apart because I didn't know what to do with my days. So this is like my in-between job. So this is like my retirement job and I'm easing into not working. So Is that what I you're going to do, Patty? You're going to retire and then? I, I doubt. Work. And see, not me. I'm going to retire and retire for real. Well, I, I can. But I will miss it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know. I'll definitely do back. something. Um, 
and I do like teaching and I do yeah. like talking. So <laughs> I do like a captive audience. <laughs> I know I'm good at it. <laughs> yeah, I said to my students, I'm like, this is the perfect job for me. You guys have to sit there and listen. Yeah. Or and at I, least I just can talk about whatever listening. I want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, as far as retirement goes, I think in four years, if I retire from teaching, um, then I'll do something different I'll or yeah. something that's still with people. I need yeah. people. I well, get energy from you're people. You're so young. I'm much, much older. No. So. <laughs> so what's that is some great advice, um, Marie, about how you manage your time and that you do still give, you know, you're still active. You're still running. You're still doing yoga. You're giving yourself some of yeah. that time. And you do, that is an advantage where you don't have the kids at home. And I, I saw this quote the other day that said, um, our workplace wants us to work uh, like we don't have children and society wants us to parent like we don't have a job. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that as a, a working mom, when our kids were little, it, we felt that pull a lot. And I don't feel that pull as much now because my kids are out of the house. Your kids are out of the house. Mine are. Yours are as well. Mm -hmm. And so it is, uh, it is an opportunity for us to, you know, give more attention to our career and you're definitely doing that. And, um, I would love it if you would tell the story. Um, and if you have seen on our Facebook, I posted the link to the news article, plus the video that the famous video we're talking about <laughs> where, um, Miss Marie Hodigan, uh, danced with her team at homecoming, but it was a fundraiser. Her band, the, the high school band hasn't, hadn't had new uniforms since 2005. They weren't even wearing matching t-shirts. Is that right? They didn't we even have the money. They had t-shirts and shorts, but we, they no longer had usable uniforms. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were some problems with, uh, you know, some facilities issues and the uniforms were actually in a closet that leaked and they had mold. They were there was no way the kids could wear them anymore. They were, you know, typically they say band uniforms eight to 10 years. These uniforms the kids are wearing are over 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so how were you able to raise funds? What, what were some of the things that you did? Well, we, uh, we're still working on it. We are. And, uh, one of the things is when, when I danced with the students and it was, you know, it became quite a popular uh, video. It was on Twitter, it was on Instagram, the social mm -hmm. media. And, you know, I got such incredible feedback. I, that's when you really believe in the love and the kindness of people. Not even in my community, my community was amazing, but across the country, I, I received comments and, you know, just, favorable feedback from people all over the world. I really did. Right. And so, you know, we, we put a link and we asked for donations and we got quite a few donations for the uniforms and, and lovely letters that accompanied yeah. them, you know, wishing the kids well, hoping that the school was doing, you know, could continue to provide what the kids needed. And anybody out there who is listening that, you know, either, sent me a message or donated. I just want you to know you make a difference in kids' lives. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. My kids thank you. My teachers do because, you know, my teachers are doing the real work and you're supporting the real work. Mm. So I went out there. I 
wasn't very good. But that's <laughs> well, okay. I, you. I thought you, I thought you were pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. That was part of the fun. You know, my kids taught it, me the whole routine and they were so adorable. Don't worry, Miss Hodigan, just follow us. We've got your back, Miss Hodigan. Don't worry. We're all going to be around you. And then there were parts of it I couldn't learn. So they're like, don't worry, we're going to modify it so that you can. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, they, I love it too. Great. And it was fun. And, you know, as I said, so we've brought money in that way. We've had some other fundraisers. Um, we're going to have to finance the uniforms over several years. Uh, we hope to have them at the start of school next year. And I hope to have them so that we can showcase them at next year's homecoming. Right. Maybe we'll have another surprise that. that we better. And the thing is that um, the, the students are going to have to fundraise too. And they are. Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to bring in funds because uniforms like this, believe it or not, 125 band uniforms, um, and they're lovely, but they're typical band uniforms, close to $75,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And what do schools do? I mean, why, wh- how do other schools get this? How are they getting new band u- uniforms? I kind of wanted to talk about the inequality of funds um, that are, appropriated to different schools like I don't even know how our kids they probably just get band uniforms like I don't know I'm sure they pay they pay something to rent them maybe Mm -hmm. or when you when you have a you know a high socioeconomic school where predominantly most of the students you know come from households that have you know significant discretionary funds you know, parents are able to buy things. Okay. And that's fine. And, you know, I'm a parent and whenever I could, I wanted to buy things for my student, mm-hmm. my children. Sure. I, I love them and I wanted them to have it. But just because you can't afford those things doesn't mean you don't want your child to have them. Absolutely. That your child doesn't deserve them. And right. that's where the inequities come in. And it puts more pressure on those schools because we're talking about band uniforms. Well, let's go into even, you know, other resources that affect every child. And, you know, that, you know, there's there's inequities at that point. You know, the school has to find funding for those areas before they even look at things like band uniforms. Right. Really, mm-hmm. I talk about 125 students. I have 2,200 kids at my school. Yeah. Okay. So what are we talking about? We're talking about five or 6% of the mm-hmm. children. So it is difficult. It is a, you know, it is a, an, an ongoing, you know, process. Uh, Our school has been very successful. We have gone with academic programs that allow us to bring in funding from state. And we have been very successful at those programs. And, you know, we're a school that can, you know, take on some significant financial burdens because we have proven ourselves to, you know, be able to access that funding. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. we're fortunate, but that's been, you know, that's been a, 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 this is our, our first year where we have really felt the benefit of that and it's going to continue to grow. I, I, I encourage principals and teachers to look at grants, to look at, you know, 
other academic programs. Different states have, you know, different um, recognitions and uh, areas that they will uh, provide funding to schools for, you know, different academic programs or career pathways, different things. And I, I encourage the principals to look into those, work with their district to find ways to access that, and then, you know, put into place the structure for right. the students to be successful. Don't just bring on the program, throw it at teachers, put in the, build the structure, get the teacher buy-in, get the parent buy-in. And then when you, when the students walk in the door, the structure's in place. So they have the opportunity to be successful. You do that, you make a difference. That is a hundred percent true. And I think we've seen over the 27 years that I've taught, like we've seen programs just thrown at us without the structure, without it in place to be successful. Like, okay, here, do this. Okay. Now do this. Or, okay, today we're going to, you know, this year we're going to try this program. Yeah. And, and so sometimes as a teacher, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not going to learn this if you're going to take it away and make me do something else the next time. So I love that you said that and get the structure in. And this year, didn't you do, aren't you in the middle of a $20 million renovation at your school? How old is the school building? The school was built in 1972. This is the first major renovation that it has seen. And, and we, we've needed it. We really, really have needed it. I mean, we had significant roof leaking problems. We had significant um, air conditioning, you know, problems and issues. And in Florida, that's a big deal. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So they've put an incredible amount of money into facility infrastructure. I'm getting seven new STEM labs. Mm, wow. I'm getting a brand new media center, a brand new state-of-the-art culinary arts center. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Um, we're getting, you know, new storefronts so it'll look nice. Um, but I'm going to tell you with the, you know, the funding that we have brought in as a school, we have s supplemented that and we have been, we're, we're in the process of updating all of the student furniture, all stu new student desks, all new career pathway program uh, furnishings for teachers and students. We're uh, looking at next year, hopefully trying to bring in new teacher uh, furniture. And because these are things that people are using every single day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And while you, you know, while no one wants to spend monies that are not needed on things, when people haven't had changes in a long time and they need, you know, quality, uh, resources in their classroom. That's what I need to bring to my teachers and my students. And I'm going to tell you, I put an incredible amount of money into technology across, not only in the career pathways, you know, it, throughout the school, in the computer labs, into laptop carts. You know, the goal is to get to that one-on-one -on -one where yeah, right. every student has access to a laptop in every class. And, and and that's a big deal because you're continually, you know, having to bring in the new technology yeah. because it it, it, it it breaks or the technology changes, but we're moving on it. We really are. And, and we're making it, I'm going to tell you, my kids don't, very few of them come from four bedroom, three bath pool homes. Okay. Yeah. But I will tell you, they're coming to a place and it's soon going to be a structure and a, and a facility where they're going to walk in. They're going to walk in with pride and they're going to say, Hey, this is what I want. 
I want everything lovely like this. So when I, when I graduate, I need to make sure that I put myself on a pathway where I have access to things like that. That's what I want for my kids. Well, and yeah. opening their eyes to those possibilities. Like, yeah, I, um, they'll see things in there that they've probably never seen before. You right. know, they've they'll be able to sit in a cushy chair that maybe they've never even experienced before. And that can change everything for them in Love terms and they, of perspective. I mean, and they, and they're, they're good. They, they really, we bought all new student desks this year and they treat that they, you know, people are like, oh, they're going to write all over the. No, they don't. They're fine. Yeah. Just I say, put the expectations there. Yeah. They step up and they are stepping up every day. My kids, today we had this drill and they were amazing and they took it so seriously. And I just got on the announcements and I said, do you know how proud I am to be your principal? You are so impressive. And I just want you to know I'm so proud of you because, you know, you just make such great choices. And I thank them because they do. They really, really do. Well, and I think I, I, my hat is off to you and Marie, when we talked, um, oh gosh, in January and last summer before, and when I've, I've been able, fortunate enough to be with you and we've chatted about education, I'm always just like, love listening to you talk. And I really appreciate that you came on tonight. And yes, thank you so much. I've taken a bunch of notes yeah. because I love how you've been able to motivate and inspire your school and yeah if, again if you haven't watched the video get on facebook yeah get on and see it and then just take a moment and think what is my takeaway from this right yeah. from this opportunity to listen to this podcast today yeah. because that in and of itself just the opportunity to access a podcast there's a significant part of the population that doesn't even have access to that right in and of itself so uh but for me um your joy is infectious and uh, so bringing as much fun, that's something I'm really committed right. to. I, I work to do that anyway, but uh, I'm really gonna up my efforts there. <laughs> and one of the things that I love, love, love is that uh, you're willing to do the uncomfortable because you can do hard things. And that's such a powerful message to send to our kids. Listen, I'm willing to do uncomfortable things because I know I can do hard things. You can do uncomfortable things because we know you can do hard things right. too. And I just love that. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for coming. I appreciate it. And good luck in the thank years. You so getting... much. I loved being here and I just love your podcast. So thank you so, so <laughs> oh, much. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. <laughs> we will, we may uh, hit you up again yeah, if you're interested. Sure. I would be honored. <laughs> okay. Thank All you right. so much, Marie. Thanks for coming. Day, guys. Take care, Marie. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of A, A Great, Great Day, Day to, to Talk. Talk. Thanks for listening to It's a Great Day to Talk. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And until next week, get out there and talk. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.